Coming up, readings beyond the raffle and Theoryland approved conjecture. Deep dive into the spells and scrolls of nerd culture. Absorb Stormlight. Home sympathy. Arnas, Sayadar, and Sayadin. This is Phantology. You may have heard of us. All right, what's up, wannabe willbies? This is Stephen, your host with Intelligent Podcast, along with my lifelong friend Josh, talking about the Hexologists. And the name of the series is the Hexologist. The name of this book is Hexologist by the Light of the Lost. And I actually just barely learned that because I thought the whole book was called the Hexologist. But uh, it is by Josiah Bancroft, and it just recently came out on September twenty sixth. This uh, this review is thanks to an advanced copy that Josh and I received, and uh, we've we've got that in exchange for a fair review, which I feel prepared to give. And I I think possibly our review is going to be more fair than what we're seeing on Goodreads so far, because it looks a little low. And I thought this book was pretty good. Yeah, full transparency. We're we're recording this in uh, July, the ending of July, so the. Goodreads rating may change, but right now it's sitting at a 4.05, which uh, this is still non-spoiler, but I think we can both say that we'd probably rate it above a 4.05 out of five, at least personally. Yeah. 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 And, and to uh, for, in terms of like Goodreads do, rating. Yeah. We're going to do some non-spoiler conversation and then we'll kind of transition over and talk about some specific plot points. So if you haven't read the book, you're, you're still good to listen for a bit. And I think some people are going to be curious about this because Josiah had a pretty good following, kind of a grassroots following with the books of Babel that he started self-publishing. And then um, now he he has a contract with Orbit for the Hexologist books. So I think a lot of people are going to be interested in his new series. And I hope the low rating comes up or I hope that it doesn't turn people off when the book gets released because, yeah, I liked it more than a 4.05 or whatever. Like if I was going to go Goodreads rating, I'd probably go like 4.4, 4.5. I thought it was pretty. Yeah. And it's a little bit tricky because Goodreads doesn't really translate to like the rating system I usually do in Phantology. Right. Um, But in terms of, I feel like a 4.05 on on Goodreads, usually like good books are around 4.3, 4.4 on Goodreads. So, I mean, good books like Fourth Wing are at 4.67 or whatever. Don't even even get me started. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, 4.05 isn't like, a disaster or anything and i don't think it's an indication that people hate it Is, i mean i've I mean, seen I, enough books where typically if i saw a book that i was that i had heard about recommended and i checked on goodreads if it's lower than like a 4.3 or 4.2 it's that means i'm gonna have to check it out more it's not like i can automatically take the recommendation fair enough yeah okay um i yeah i think that this that if that's the case you pay more attention to goodreads ratings than i do but I would say that that's underrated for sure. I really, really enjoyed this book. I think that I, I was also a fan of the books of Babel. I thought that it was a remarkable first series. Um, you know, I had nitpicks and stuff with the series, but I really enjoyed it. I think that mm-hmm. this book takes a lot of the rougher edges of the books of Babel and kind of sands them down and is more like a, of a polished version of a similar type vision of kind of like an eccentric protagonist. Um, yeah. some whimsy, some 
some um, just kind of different types of yeah. fantasy that yeah. you usually outside get outside the box type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and distills it down in a much more concise and digestible yeah. manner. I think that's, that's a good way to talk about it. Let's, let's just kind of talk about the book, uh, the book broadly, what people can expect. And then I'll, I'll give my hypothesis on why I think the ratings a little low. Cause I, I think there's a reason why some people may be turned off from the book and it's going to be, it's going to be maybe something that people love or hate about the book. Um, but yeah, so, so what is this book? Like Josh said, um, it's a, it's a little more uh, narrow scope than books of Babel. We're following two main characters, a, a man and his wife, or I guess maybe uh, a wife and her husband, really, if you want to go protagonist and, and sidekick, because I think is the protagonist and Warren is kind of her sidekick. Um, they are, well, Is is a hexologist, and together they are basically a detective team, and they get tasked with a case right from the beginning, and then the book kind of follows through the case um, and ultimately leads to some twists and turns and a conclusion at the end. And this is going to be a series, but I think the great thing about this book is you can read it on its own, and if no other books were ever to be published, you would be totally satisfied with the story you got in this book. It's a, it's a great standalone, but it leaves a few loose threads hanging for future books. And, and I mean, I have total faith that, uh, that Josiah Bancroft will deliver on future books, but I know people are sometimes hesitant going into a brand new series that hasn't been finished. There's, there's always that fear. For me, I think plot-wise, you're 100% correct. I think I would be pretty devastated if I couldn't get back to these characters. I think that some of these characters they developed in this world that he developed, I would be really, really sad if I never got Well, I'm not saying that I, I, I know, I know that what I don't you're... want another book. I'm just saying I, the book wraps yeah, on its own, the, stands on the its book. Own. It's a total stand. Like you, yeah, it's not like there's a big, huge cliffhanger that you need book two to answer in order or three to answer whatever. Yeah. I think yeah. that this is kind of compared and, and you, it sounds like you didn't hundred percent agree with me, but this is more like to me, a start of like a Dresden files or an Alex Varis where it, it doesn't seem like it would necessarily have to follow like the uh, necessarily like a trilogy arc, but more is positioning itself to be more of a serial arc where it could have different, mm -hmm. different en entries. And it, you had, you had some thoughts about that, but that's kind of how I see how I, yeah, see it. I, so I could see it in the sense that you could have any number of, of cases following this one. Right. And they could continue to build up the world and that would, that would be fine, but I feel like it would get a little stale around books. I don't know, maybe like four or five. And obviously mm -hmm. he could throw a big twist in there and spice things up. And, but I, I think with the current recipe he has going for this book, at least I might get a little tired after a few. And I think the difference between, between uh, this type of book and uh, Dresden or Alex Varis is really just like the first person because you get really attached to your first person characters. So whatever they do um you follow it and and i don't know for for some reason to me that just makes for a better serial series than a kind of outside of the box third person story i i don't i mean i'm having a i'm having trouble putting my finger on it exactly 10 books of this just doesn't seem right i feel like it needs to be a little more snappy fair enough i think that this i haven't read a ton but this reminds me a lot more of kind of like like terry pratchett or like neil gaiman kind of those 
and Neil Gaiman doesn't really do serialized books, but like Terry Pratchett does. And, and so it, it kind of reminds me more of those than maybe, maybe those would be a better comp than like, yeah, than something like Justin or Alex Ferris, because you're right. Like it's definitely a lot different than those in a lot of ways, but I could, I could still see it. I don't know. I think I would be kind of disappointed if this was just, a, just a trilogy because it doesn't really frame itself as like, Oh, here's the ending. You know, kind of you think about a lot of trilogies like Mistborn or whatever, you can uh-huh. see the end of the trilogy where they need to go from the outset. You know what I mean? Like there's, right. there's this big problem that they need to solve. There's going to be a lot of other problems along the way. Right. Boom, boom, boom. Like this doesn't really position itself like the start of a trilogy. Yeah. Like, like this one, first sentence of the book tells you what the problem in this book is. And the problem is resolved by the end of the book. And there are other things, but those are, those are just minor things at this. Point. Yeah. I could see, I could see like four or five books. And I haven't read uh, very much Gaiman, uh, very much of Gaiman or Pratchett either. We're kind of uh, letting our listeners down in that regard. But I do think this read very similarly to a series of unfortunate events, which I know is more of a YA type uh, series, but a, a series that I really enjoyed when I was younger and obviously a long series there. But I think just the tone and uh, and, and the way that like the writing style itself, the pacing and the way he would kind of throw in some funny anecdotes and tie that into the narrative. And uh, this is written better than a series of unfortunate events. The writing is very strong, but it has the same type of feel. Yeah. Um, oh, also I'm seeing, by the way, on one of these Goodreads review that it is supposed to be a new three book series. Is it? Cause I, so I looked, I read like the orbit new press release after he signed the contract. I never saw a number of books. It might be. I don't know. This was all the way back in 2022. So maybe there's more information coming. But I think that, like you're saying, the strongest part of this book is in its its writing. And Josiah Bancroft really did a good job of that with Books of Beable as well. Like just the prose, the turns of phrase, like every page you're going to stumble on something which like intrigues you or is delightful or like uh, makes you chuckle. I just feel like it's scattered so much through this book. And that's mm. honestly the plot and the, the plot and the characters were both strong, but that for me is what really elevated this book. Yeah. It's not often that the prose is the thing that carries the book. Like that's the reason that's almost the main reason why you're reading because you like, you enjoy it. And the thing, what I think really attracts me to the prose about this book is that I think it helps you connect with especially is being the main character and Warren as well, like kind of those being the two main characters. I think that the pros in some ways, like almost help you get to know those characters better because those characters are so eccentric and kind of whimsical themselves that having the pros be the way that the story is told helps with that character development in like a weird way. And helps create the world too, because the world is this, it's described as an alternative reality urban fantasy so it's kind of victorian-esque but it's off the wall weird with some things like there is ash falling from the sky like mistborn except this ash is due to a like fishy uh, byproduct of the way that they create their uh, energy source something like that i might have mixed up the details there but it's just weird it's you know weird, weird stuff like that mm-hmm. And there's, uh, there is magic. I was, uh, again, skimming these good re- reviews and one of them was kind of complaining about the amount of magic in it, 
which too much or too little? Kind of too much having too much magic which is mm. kind of interesting to me because it's called the hexologist like if a book yeah. was called like the magicians which i know the magicians is a series but you probably wouldn't complain that there's too much magic in a book uh, maybe called- they wanted more of a like strictly defined system in in this yeah. case there are some rules but kind of just breaks rule i mean not breaks rules but there are times where problems are certainly solved in ways you didn't expect because you're not necessarily aware of all the magic this book kind of reminds me of how harry potter treats magic where it can kind of just do whatever the author wants in the moment, which isn't like a nece- necessarily like a super bad thing, you know, but like you definitely don't really have a good handle on what magic, how powerful magic can be throughout the thing uh-huh. or throughout the book. Like in some, in some ways she is, is kind of limited by the way she can do magic. And then somebody else or even as herself will be able to do some like super, super cool thing with magic. What was one of Sanderson's rules is like, the extent to which you can solve problems with magic is related to how much you explain the magic system because you want it to be, you want readers to feel like it makes sense naturally when they. Yeah, but I feel like this breaks that rule, but does it in like a strong way, like kind of rules are there and you can break them if you, if you know why you're breaking them. I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of what this in a sense. And I think the tone also kind of contributes to that because reading through the book you never take anything too seriously like there's no foreboding ominous tone of impending destruction or anything you you kind of figure that things are going to work out for them in the end and somehow they'll be able to solve the case like it has this positive tone throughout but it's also this goofy tone so if something off the wall happens like that's fine because we've been the way the book has been written is setting us up to expect humorous, witty ways of, uh, you know, that, that the plot would unfold as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, though, also the books of people did a good job with this is there are still impactful and emotional moments that happen throughout the book. Like there are some like sad things that happen. So I feel like those are almost mm-hmm. they hit a little bit harder even sometimes because most of the book is so whimsical that like when something really sad does happen, that does hit hard. The other thing I wanted to talk about, which we've kind of danced around and mentioned, is how strong of characters both Is and Warren are. And one thing I really appreciated about these characters is their relationship just as like a strong married couple. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's not very common in books where you get like a married couple being the main characters because you want that, you know, I think authors typically want the ability to you know have like a new romance or whatever be part of the book when it when it works for them but like and they probably also want their characters to be pretty independent in that you know anything that comes along they'll be able to jump into it at a moment's notice and maybe a little bit trickier to execute that if you have to have have two characters in Mm -hmm. everything but this does such a good job for me of like both the characters are strong on their own but you can definitely tell that they're stronger together. You get the sense that they have this big, long history together and like uh, know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and are there to mm. support them. Like it really was a kind of touching to me to see a, a married couple presented on as like the main characters in a book in, in such a way. Yeah. I don't know, like that might sound corny, but no, I like they're it. married and it's, it's cool that they're married and they have a great relationship and, um, and would do anything for each other and, and like their relationship also defines who they are as characters but also highlights their differences and strengths and strengths and weaknesses mm-hmm. yeah i thought it was really it was a really nice touch yeah and then just each one of them as characters 
like you just grow to really, they're so well-defined, like is you just totally get the sense of like independence, strength from her and Warren, you mm-hmm. just totally get the sense of, I guess also independence, but like quiet strength and like wanting to hold back, but still being really right. um, uh, strong. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of stumbling over my words here but they're strong they're all strong they're strong yeah. and independent yeah but i don't know like just in ways that you don't typically see like warren's not gonna walk in there and make everybody scared with with how he approaches things but if somebody were to throw down he'd be like definitely there to mm-hmm. show up and, and help out yeah but. yeah no they make a they make a great team um and they they are very well defined and i think they really carry the book those two characters appropriately right they are the hexologists they are the team they're, they're everything about the story. Okay, so the reason why, here's the here's my hypothesis of why I think some people may bounce off the book. And as strong as the prose is, I think some people are not going to appreciate it because it, at times, in my opinion, at times I think he uses too many, like $10 words and just makes it a little bit, it takes away from the plot a little bit with the, um, with some of the complexity of sentence structure and vocabulary and things he throws in there. I think if you, you know, if you sit down and you focus on what you're reading and you take the time to maybe learn some new words, like it's all great. It's very well written, but it definitely is not like the clear window that Brandon Sanderson likes to write with where the the writing is just a vehicle to get into the plot, right? This is very much a stained glass window of there's a plot there, but you do kind of have to look through the rose tinted window. But when you do, it makes it all the better for it. But, um, you know, honestly, there were times where I was like, this is a little too much. Like, I don't need all of these $10 words, you know, let's make it, let's cool it down a little bit here. We could probably, I, I think it might just be a little more snappy. So I, I think is a little bit of, of a worst of the best thing for me. I don't want to do that quite yet, but that's what I would have to go with where I loved a lot of the pros, but there were times where I thought it was a little much. And I think some people are going to immediately be like, this is a little much. This is not how I like reading. It's too much of a chore. And that may turn people off. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't think you're wrong there. I, I don't think it really affected my reading experience that much, but I, I wasn't getting bogged down if I didn't know a word. I feel like you would be more bugged than, than I am on, on that. I feel like if, if I get, if I have the context of what's going on and I don't yeah. know, I'll just keep reading. Whereas I know you would be more bugged than well, that than I would be. There are definitely, yeah, context is usually enough, but there are times where I'm like, what does that word mean? I want to know. And then after like the 10th time, I was like, I, I don't want to do this as much as I'm having to do it. It's my same frustration with Malazan. Like just cool the vocabulary a little bit. And I would, I would like, a, I would like Malazan a little bit more. I'm really confused as to, this rating like this okay sorry this is just befuddling this You're is a, a three-star reviews yeah, yeah i'm just kind of so this is a three-star rating in the hexologist we follow is old and warren a married couple of investigators in a magical world the two are a match man wizard in heaven it is not our enchanting uh, protagonist that steal the show bancroft has conjured up a cast of sporting characters that are delightful and it's a cauldron bubbling with laughter from this old whimsical mother to a certain eccentric wizard. Each individual adds their own sprinkle of magic to the mix. The world building is imaginative, introduces readers to a realm filled with diverse magical practitioners, mystical creatures, and a certain amount of spells. The mystery at the core of the story is intriguing, and the gradual reveal is satisfying. All in all, the hexologist is an enchanting and thoroughly enjoyable 
magical mystery novel that I would recommend. I'll definitely be continuing the series and I can't wait for more people to read it. I think that's a great review. And it's three, three stars. stars. <laughs> it's like a five-star review. Nice. <laughs> and when there's only 30 reviews there, that's, yeah, that's you know, come, come on. on. Yeah, that's that's lame. That's totally lame. I, I don't know if you're on Twitter very much, but uh, do you ever see Joe Abercrombie tweet out low reviews? Some I've I've more heard him. I've yes, I've heard of this practice. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, some um, some of them are like real positive and it's one star, and then some of it's just like this was crap, one star. <laughs> yeah, I think that's maybe very Honestly, therapeutic as an author to just be open about it. Like some people hate my book, and that's okay. Yeah. But a review like that is just very intriguing to me. Like three stars for a yeah. book that you call. I don't you know. Go down anyway. a, a rabbit hole and find that user and see what books they do like. Five stars. I don't know. I feel like they misunderstood the assignment though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that's uh, that's our non-spoiler. I think we both say we recommend it. I d- I do think there are going to be like I understand why some people may not like it, but come on. There's not. Well, yeah. What. One thing I did have a problem with, which you didn't seem to have as much of a problem with, was the pacing. I do feel like there were some moments where it built a lot of momentum and then come screeching to a halt to go on like a little side quest. Yeah. And so I know you, you said in Discord that you didn't feel that as much, but that was probably... Well, I don't biggest. think you're wrong, but it just didn't bug me because I thought that yeah. was aligned with the tone. Fair enough. Yeah. But th- that was my, in terms of overall thoughts on the book that was my biggest uh perceived weakness of yeah. it so no i could say i mean the way that he's writing with the prose and the pacing and just the general style does not do any favors to the plot it's and i would assume he he knows that and is like intentionally setting up a fun book to read that has a plot that carries you know his his strength along and his strength is clearly being a wordsmith and creating a, a, a fun adventure. Nice. That's my, there's my um, analysis for you. Anyway, uh, let's talk spoilers. So if you have not read the book, feel free to go read it and come back and listen to the spoiler side of things. So um, if talking more specifically, what were some highlights for you? Highlights for me. I love the introduction introduction of a dragon randomly, like a fourth of the way through the book, a, mm-hmm. a dragon living in the the bag. That was a highlight for yeah. me. The whole I, the whole bag thing was great. Yeah, the whole bag. What what did they call it? That was portal uh, portal Manchu or something. Port, yeah, portal, I, mean, I don't even yeah, know how to say it. Yeah, yeah, definitely a highlight. I think that like I just talking about earlier, the whole every character kind of like that review mentioned every character is really well rounded out delightfully written like even even like the grave the person that was over the the grave site that like they that mm-hmm. was humming the tune or, or singing the songs or whatever and forgetting some of the details yeah that they came up and then showed them the way to like the whatever grave they needed to go to uh-huh. like even you got the sense that this guy like had a full-on life and was just like living his best life doing his duty and like felt like a well fleshed out character yeah I, I think it is maybe a little disappointing that the cast of characters that we care about is not huge. Like the, you know, the the grave digger guy was cool, but he's, you know, very doubtfully going to show up again. I think, and, and it's tricky because like with something like Dresden or Alex Varys, which I think are, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you. They are comparable. We have our cast and then they slowly kind of add on some recurring cast members and some of those get elevated to main cast by season four or whatever 
but here it's mostly Iz and Warren and maybe Felivox the dragon and Constance is probably going to be like a recurring antagonist but other than that like well not I think much I that's think sticking around I think you have Iz and Warren are for sure going to be the the uh, staples of the this book series and I think that they're very strong I think you get like Felvox, which is like I said a really fun addition I think that you have a compelling villain of the series with Princess Const- Constance I think yeah, that that's I really hope cool. that she I think she should be the big bad. Like I hope we don't want to just replace her next book. And then you also have like the gray character that might be a antagonist sometimes and a and an ally other times with Obelos. Obelos. Yeah, Obelos, Obel, whatever Obelos. his name is. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I omitted him. I think he's a good character. So I think you have like this combination of like two really, really strong characters, one really strong antagonist and one strong gray character that you don't quite know which way they're going to do. I think mm-hmm. that that ingredient makes for like a potentially really uh, strong couple books. Here. I was disappointed to see Victor Chol Mandalay off at the end. Cause I thought he was a, a cool antagonist as well. I, I was too, but I think that that was really important for making Prince and princess Constance be like an actual strong yeah antagonist. okay that's fair you know yeah. just kind of coming on and coming in and just totally wiping out kind of the mini yeah. boss the guy that you thought was a big and and very heart very heartlessly yeah like just this like was her lover her on lover the down low and like yeah. yeah she's like not you're no longer useful you've become a you've become more of a burden um and so you're you're out of here you're you're a goner like mm-hmm. that was chilling to me i thought that that was yeah i am a little bit sad because he did seem like a, a very like perfectly hateable character like a character you love yeah. to hate so yeah. but that that did raise the stakes for princess constant that's fair that's fair but yeah like you said i really did love to hate him like the evil rich tech and in- industrialist type person like yeah we all we all dislike those people yeah, yeah. It, it honestly seemed like elon musk written into a character <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> that, that's kind of the impression i got that that craft was going through like somebody that just kind of delights in being very cynically uh-huh. a bad guy, like will come into a company and fire two thirds of the staff uh-huh. without thinking much about it. You know what I mean? Kind of yeah. what he was written as. I liked the undertone. A lot of his, a lot of Bancroft's kind of cynical undertones on a lot of uh, elements of society. We could say, I thought that was all kind of funny and well done. He does a really good job with both um, books of Abel and this uh, of being society is very corrupt but there are individuals in society that are very good and make society overall run what like make individual pockets of society run yeah. really well and so it's both this like pessimistic view combined with this like overly optimistic view that create these really compelling out opinion mm-hmm. and frankly like i agree i think there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in society that's kind of screwed up but there are enough good people to still make it work yeah and especially like pockets where these people where people can have a lot of influence and yeah. carve out this place in the world that people can feel comfortable i want to get more details on Iz's backstory where she was like head of the magical investigation police task force or whatever for for a year and then it got broken up like there's more of a story there for- this is so ripe for like so many prequels and spinoffs like you can have a story following her dad you can have a story yeah. following her mom you can have a story following her like be like her and war meeting like there's just so many parts of this world that i would love to like just jump in and read about 
read about it. I can't say that with all that many books. Like most books, I'm just like want to stick in the storyline that's presented for me. And here, like if you'd be like, oh, I'm writing a novella in such and such time before book two comes out. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. great. I am all in. You know, I will totally read that. He's writing some short stories around Books of Fable as well, actually coming out. Oh, nice. I think I think they're coming out soon. So yeah, kind of similar setup where you just jump right in to the story and clearly this is all well-defined and there's a history to everything, but you know, we're not going to slow down from this story, this individual plot to jump into all those things. Maybe we'll discover them along the way. I kind of feel like he did things in terms of the characters. I think he did this pretty different than books of Babel because I feel like the characters in books of Babel start out as like almost blank sheets. Yeah. That's of yeah, like, yeah. Whereas the, the like, like, Oh, we're on our honeymoon, but we barely know each other. And then we boom, get mm. separated. And now everything you need to know about the characters like has happened in the plot of the book. Whereas this, like the characters. And that's all like long... first chapter of uh, seven yeah. minutes. Sorry for spoilers, but like that is like the first few pages. Of the if, mm-hmm. if I were to give somebody like a one sentence pitch of what that's. Yeah. Is. Yeah. No, you're, you're fine. Yeah. But um, whereas with this, yeah, it's like you want to learn about this rich and complex history that the characters. I think one of my favorite parts Yes, the dragon, the introduction to that, that the moment when they get separated, when the the um, group of like, uh, what would you call them? Independent, Bitch. yeah, bandits, I guess, when when they're trying to uh, attack them in the hospital, and Warren just shoves is in the bag. And like, they come up with that without discussing anything, and trust each other enough to know that like, okay, this must be the only way we're going to do this. And I'm trusting the other person will be able to handle things on their side i thought that one thing really did a lot to establish the characters and that required you know zero paragraphs of explanation describing who they were you just got it all from that one moment so i thought that was great um you already said you liked the dragon part and i really enjoyed the whole world of artifacts and um, i think that that really gives a lot of leeway to bancroft to kind of come up with whatever cool thing he wants to just say, you know, they're going to start using it, which maybe the Goodreads reviewer would say, you know, oh, there's too much magic or I, I don't like how magic was used. But I, I think it's fun because then you can throw in any, you know, weird off the wall way of using magic. And to that effect, I, I liked the whole like shadow crawling thing. I thought that was pretty unique and cool. That's what I was meaning with like the like she's pretty limited with the way that she can use magic. And then she gets like the super cool ability. That's in my mind, what I was thinking of with was the shadow swimming thing. Uh, where shadow, Yeah. She, I don't, I, I forget what it's called in the book, but where, yeah, she can like jump into a shadow, swim over to mm-hmm. another shadow at the same time. There's this like Leviathan thing, like lurking beneath the surface. Mm-hmm. That's like ready to like feast on her. And she has to hold her breath until she gets to like the next shadow. Like it just is so cool. I, yeah. I, I loved it. I love that part that that's one of that I think that's one of the parts of the book along with everything that in that part that was going on with Victor John whatever his name is I think that was when I was like this book is like something special in my mind was when all that it just introduced enough creativity with enough Mm -hmm. plot fun and characters that I was like okay this book has really come together I think the whole book I was looking forward to them going accepting the invitation going to the party like obviously when it was first mentioned at the beginning that they weren't going to the party okay like they're going to the party yeah (laughs) right and so so i yeah i enjoyed all that part i think that really 
kind of encapsulated the setting that he was going for all in, in that one moment. One thing that I wish we got more of was the reporter guy who uh, I think we only saw him like twice, but I think he makes for a funny antagonist that that should pop up more. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't remember if his writing of the story actually affected anything, but I remember them like laughing about the piece that he had written. But I thought the way that he described that character was very funny. I think one thing that kind of speaks to this that we haven't talked about really is the plot. We haven't really talked at all about it. And again, I think it's because it is more of just a vehicle for these other things that we have talked about. But the basic plot is they is and Warren are investigators and they get this. uh, They're introduced with this mystery of the um, prince having a bastard child out there. And there's like a letter delivered to King. Yeah. I mean, the king at the time. The king having it. But yeah. 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 As we go back in history, it's the prince. And. I will say that I I did think that this got a little bit convoluted throughout the book. Everything did make sense at the end and it it was cool how, you know, there's a lot of misdirection and but again, it was a little bit convoluted. Mm. What did you think? I thought it I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was too convoluted, but I also was not super attached to what happened. Like I figured there was going to be a twist and it was it seemed like it followed the the recipe let's say pretty, pretty uh, to the T for a mystery novel, which was interesting because the rest of the tone in the book did not follow the typical way that you would write a fantasy book, right? Like it's all very unique, but the plot itself was fairly straightforward. They think they solve it. It's all good. And then all of a sudden here, you know, here's the twist and it wasn't actually his child. It was, you know, it was the Kings and yeah, like it all worked. It was it was a good plot. And I I don't think that I necessarily anticipated the twist, but when it happened, I wasn't like blown away. I was just like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I was at too. And I think that there are clues, like if you were to go back and reread it, I'm sure there's like plenty that you could pick up on. I'm sure some readers mm-hmm. will be able to figure out each kind of twist and turn that happens. Yeah, it not it wasn't convoluted in a way that really at all affects my enjoyment of the book, but just in, in the sense that like, I don't know, I feel like there are some parts of it that could have been a little bit more uh, explained a little bit more clearly, I guess, like with, I think part of that is that a lot of, a lot of the mystery happens because of decisions made by characters in the past. And you don't really have a great insight as to why they're making, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you get the sense that the that the prince and the and and Adderton, um, who is like one of the generals or something in the army, right? His buddy lieutenant guy, yeah. His buddy lieutenant, like you have a sense that there's this friendship there, but then he won't like take the fall for retiring like this bastard, and so that that's kind of like the whole conflict, and it just didn't really seem that impactful to me when you realize that was more the prince that killed Adderton. You know that whole twist to me, like mm. it it was fine and it worked, but like I had no real connection to the characters. And so I think it fell a little bit flat to me. Yeah. And kind of, I think it would maybe have been more interesting if we had a relationship with the current King who was, you know, out of his mind and sick the whole time. So we have no idea. Like I have no idea if this current King is any good or not. It seems like everyone loves Constance. And so the and with kind of the general sentiment of the book it seems like this king is basically like louis the 14th or something uh, yeah. 
but it maybe would have been more interesting if we liked the king or had some relationship with him. And then it was revealed that like he was, but I guess that's kind of what we got with Constance. Like we like Constance and then it was revealed that she actually sorcerer. Yeah. What so maybe I did that really already like, happened, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, go yeah. ahead. What I did really like is the way that they find all the clues. Like whether it be going and having to like- Yeah, it was all unique, was it, right? Like, those like banshee things that they had to flip get past in the graveyard. Yeah, they go into that like, the, up, like they go into like the necrosphere, some kind of you know, yeah, realm of the dead in between thing. And yeah, the nether, I think they're called nethers. They have mm-hmm. to fight those off. And yeah, that that was all a very cool scene. And the you know the playing of their memories, but the important memories were kind of I, I needed Josiah Bancroft word. Uh, they were the important memories were. Uh, yeah, they, they were they were covered up. They were yeah, okay. I can't come up shrouded. with a good word on the fly. Yeah, yeah, shrouded, shrouded. Yeah, it's a, it's so a five dollar word. Yeah, $5 yeah, word. yeah. Just there's, I'm sure there's a better word for this situation. Off, obfuscated. Obfuscated. That's a good one. Okay, good there, one. there we go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. So that was one way, and then when they interviewed the uh, the midwife and got her view of things, that gave us more clues. And then the final clue, when she went back through like the, the mother ggargoyle goddess thing, which was cool. I liked that whole. That I had to whole sacrifice bit. a year of becoming yeah. the eyes of a gargoyle in the afterlife. Yeah. Like, that's so cool. Would you, like, would you do that? <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting because I think that that, did, that went a long way to defining Iz's character is because she didn't have mm. to do that. Like everything was kind of wrapped before she needed to do that. I mean, she it was good that she, she did, right? Yeah. She, she did need to do that because she was wrong in like the in the mystery. But like she didn't she didn't think that she needed. Does that make sense? Like she, there was something nagging at, but like all the pieces fit together without that. Right. But she she trusted her gut enough to be like, dang, this is actually worth sacrificing a year of existence in order to like mm-hmm. confirm that I'm I was right because something feels off. You know what yeah. I mean? It's yeah. it's like the way I'm thinking about it is like, if you go back and you check your work on a test and you're like, this, this doesn't seem right to me. Like I can't pinpoint what I did wrong, but it seems like something is wrong. You know what I mean? Uh, and then like, so do you just hand it in and potentially miss the question or do you spend another hour trying to get hundred percent? Right. Exactly. And so is, is the type of person that would be the last person on the test working and eventually either coming up with like a new mathematical proof for why she got the answer that she did or like, getting there like figuring out what she did wrong and getting the correct answer right. you know what i mean yeah. like yeah that, that kind of goes to show you what character she is and i think it's interesting that her decision making process in thinking about the year of her life was all around warren like yeah would would warren understand this would be a year away from him and i think she arrived at the conclusion that like yeah we don't even need to discuss this like he would understand that i need mm-hmm. yeah and then there is the her backstory with oblos and getting one of the clues i'm forgetting which clue exactly she got from him but i remember that was like a cool introduction and the way that he just kind of threw her out of there with the yeah like the monster in the water or something yeah honestly i don't remember what she got from him either but i think at the time i was thinking like this wasn't super necessary well i think he was the one that told her about the 10 kids like about about print about victor I think he was the one that pointed her and Victor. Oh yeah. Cause he had some connection to her family. Yeah. To Jess like Bless's adopted family. Right. Yeah. But it was, it was a pretty minor. She definitely could have uncovered this in some other mm-hmm. way. It just was kind of a vehicle to introduce this guy. 
Yeah. And yeah, he seems like he'll be cooler in books. He didn't really do that much here other than brood. We needed a brooding, we need a brooding male and he fits the. It seems like to me what's going on is we have Obelos and we have Princess, uh, what's her name? Uh, Constance. Constance. And they probably are like trying to like get these factions together and like kind of go head to head because they're the both like what we think are sorcerers right of what we i don't know it seems like he's still a wizard kind of he's a wizard but he's just kind of chilling yeah but i think i mean i think he's chilling but i think he's probably working behind the scenes consolidating okay. power yeah my prediction sure. okay i mean he we know his tab on the uh stone goddess gargoyle is like 30 some years so yeah so he's clearly definitely he's yeah yeah he's a hard worker <laughs> all right i have my worst of the best if you want to do Okay, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So the moment that slightly soured uh, something that you otherwise really liked. The worst of the best. With so many exemplary moments in this book, it's almost unfair to nitpick. But that's the segment. It's the pimple on the princess. The stain on the satin. And the terror before the triumph. The unfortunate portion of an otherwise stellar performance. Someone has to point it out. So I really, as I mentioned before, I really, really like Felivox the Dragon. I feel like we're missing one more scene of Felivox doing something cool. You know, we get the introduction scene, which is really fun and a great mm-hmm. way to introduce a dragon in the least expected way and introducing his personality. I think he has plenty of funny quips and it's cool that he and Warren are like best buddies because Warren like feeds them all these delicious things that he makes. All of this is really, really cool. The fact that he bites off what's his face's arm at the end and like totally just wrecks him. Yeah. Like, okay, fun, fun. Like he took out one of the yeah bad guys. So cool, all that fun. But I, I still feel like we need like one more scene with him to really, really cement that. That's, I don't know what that scene would have been, where it would have been, but I feel like it would have been better. With- like he comes out of the bag. Maybe even you stay in the bag, but like maybe even she's trying to convince somebody to do something for her and they like, oh, they're like, oh, you don't have a dragon. And then she just like push it, like jumps into the bag with him and like, goes face to face i don't know something i don't know what it is but um one more scene with Felvox doing maybe so, even in so the bag, you liked it and you need more exactly yeah yeah okay you have this awesome dragon that like takes all these cool things about dragons and and, and introduces like a fun enough spin on it that makes it unique and then it's like kind of just demurred to making funny quips throughout the book and i'm like i ah, could have done could have been a little bit yeah. more um okay so i have three kind of minor things one of them I already mentioned, and, and this is probably my biggest, worst, the best, but I already talked about it. So it's just the fact that I would like less thesaurus in the book. I really love his turns of phrases and the way that he uses words in unexpected ways and keeps you laughing um, as you're just reading like basic descriptions of things. That's all. That's all great, but maybe just cool it a little bit with the highbrow words. So that's my real one. Um, one other thing that I didn't love, and maybe you don't even remember this, but when they, in the chapter where they go to the party at Cholmondele's place, it starts off where it's like, Iz was strapped to the tree going towards the 
um, portal to hell, oh. basically. Oh, right. It, yeah. And, and then like, it's like, jump back and it's like three hours ago, we were, and it's, it's, you know, why did you need to do that? That just seemed, it yeah. seemed very strange. I, that, that one, you know, it was only like a couple of pages probably, but it seemed a little forced. It didn't add anything to me. And I don't, I don't like this as a general rule. I don't like starting off in the middle of the action and then this is something back. that a lot of However, movies this is something a lot of movies have been doing lately like the bullet really? uh, the bullet train is that the one that the uh, Brad Pitt one the Brad Pitt one where it, it starts I feel like a few movies did that in a row where it started out with like them all flying through the air and like a lot of things going on there's another movie that did the same thing back when that movie came out I cannot think of any examples right now but I do believe you the the second gentleman bastards book starts like this and most oh, people do not like that. I hate it. I honestly, I put down that book for a long time because of because of the way that that started. It, it yeah. annoyed me. I don't understand why this adds. I mean, I guess it adds some tension to the story. You're like, oh crap, yeah. they're about to go into the thing. You know, how are they going to get out of it? But I mean, uh, yeah, come on, we're reading a story. We know that eventually they're going to have to face the, the whatever it is. Like it's going to be exciting. You don't need to tease at the beginning. Agreed. Yep. Yeah. But that was like literally two pages of stuff. And then it was back a few hours ago. So real, real minor, real, real nitpick. Um, one other thing that I understand why this happened. I just didn't like it. I didn't like that is left Warren after he was injured and unconscious and like, kind of like he wasn't necessarily near death. She basically knew that he was going to recover, but I feel like she didn't know all the way. And I just felt like it's a little cold hearted. And I know that she is like, she's not cold-hearted is kind of the thing she has that exterior but at her base i feel like she's a real loving person so i don't know if i think that she would really do that I feel like she would stay with her that was a little bit tough for me to swallow as well but again i think that that really just went to show you what they knew that their priorities were you know what i mean like within the confines of like my marriage like if there was something that um mackenzie and i were sick we were most likely going to be fine there wasn't really something that the other person could do and then our kids mm-hmm. needed help, like it would be expected for the person to go help the kid, right? Like even if they could stay there theoretically, like the kids would take priority in that situation. I think we would both like have that expectation. And for with this relationship, if there's like a, an active ongoing like, case that they're on, that like unless they're actively needed there to like save their life, then the case is top priority yeah. for them. And I and know. I I mean I get it. Like that is I just feel like it was kind of used as a way to get her to go see Ovalos because it would be weird if Warren was there as well. So we okay. had to like sideline him a little bit. Fair enough. I think if if that was the if that was the impression you got from it, and which it might have been the case, then I could see that bugging bugging you a lot more. But I also mm-hmm. see that what it was attempted to use to develop her character as well. I, I don't like it because I feel like she's at, at her core, she is a more loving and more devoted to Warren. Are you yeah. gonna are you gonna watch uh The Witcher season three? There is a similar. Oh, I'm, I'm on episode thing. seven. Okay. It's not like a big deal. And I won't say what it is, but I feel like there is kind of a same thing. I know thing. what you mean. Is it with what is Yennefer on the beach? Or no. where'd she? No. Do you know what part I'm talking about, though? Uh, when, she, when she goes back to the tower. Oh, well, yeah, okay. It's kind of in the same vein. Basically, mm-hmm. you know, Yennefer and Geralt have this relationship where they love each other, but at the same time, they are very much like devoted to Siri or their, you know, whatever their mission happens to be. And they trust that the other person is capable enough to deal with whatever problem. So regardless of what situation the other one's in, they're going to kind of like 
you know, leave them at times. And that's acceptable for in their relationship. And I just feel like that works a little more, but maybe it's because Geralt and Yennefer are both like such capable characters that it's maybe a little more acceptable to say like, oh yeah, you're going to be fine without me no matter what. I, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it works better for The Witcher than it does. Fair enough. Yeah, I agree with that. Review of The Witcher coming soon. <laughs> Actually, before before this, uh, way before yeah. <laughs> this uh, before, episode yeah. comes out. So yeah, by by this time, everyone will have seen it. So it's it's not a spoiler, but yeah. All right, the hexologist, give it a give it a higher review, please. Um, yeah. If you're listening to this and you enjoy the book, don't go in and say you loved it in three stars. Like, give it five stars. Give it five That's stars. Yeah. And uh, and I think uh, Ben Croft is a great author, and we interviewed him before uh, the fall of Babel came out and it was delightful great guy so definitely someone we want to support and I mean we don't want to just throw great reviews oh, no, this, because th- they're nice but at the same time this was a great book and I think um, you know a unique book and one that deserves to uh, to get a good review yeah for sure all right as always thanks Josh see you later